Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. It's a good day, but we got problems, people. The Chicago Cubs are up 4-0 on the San Diego Padres in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. Normally, that would be a good thing for the Cubs, but as I said, the bases are loaded, and Manny Machado is at the plate facing a 3-0 count. Good gracious, what do we got here? It is Tutel and Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We are broadcasting live through the Kurtz Polaris studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, online at KurtzPolaris.com. You can find us online as well. Did you know that? 1029ESPN.com. There, you can listen live to the stream on the Listen Live tab. The stream brought to us by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to call, you can do that as well. 329-1899-329-1899. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. We are today live on location from the press box. And Coulter and I just about to pull names out of the hat. The press box is at 835 East Broadway. We're right across from the walking bridge. You know where the press box is. It's the official fan headquarters of Grizzly Athletics. And we are going to give you tickets to the Grizzly Oregon Duck football game coming up here in just about a half an hour. But first... It's time for our ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls and Coulter. This time we uh, went and tracked down, actually you went and tracked down, Tyson Alger, who is a writer for The Athletic. He is the beat writer for the Oregon Ducks of all teams. And guess what? Just so happens, went to school at the University of Montana, graduated in the journalism department. So he has uh, obviously spent a lot of time at the University of Montana, knows what uh, Montana football is all about, and now is covering the University of Oregon as well. And uh, it was great to sit down and talk with him in an extended way. The tumultuous nature of the newspaper industry and 
that really shifted over the last, I would say, 10 or less years. We all sort of saw it coming, but it hadn't truly shifted when we were all in journalism school. So when I, I was in journalism school working at the Montana Cayman, myself, Tyson Alger, Bill Loram, uh, Charles Pulliam, and Roman Stubbs, we all had big dreams of going on and working at the Washington Post. And by God, Roman Stubbs still is. So, so you know, kudos to him for sticking it out and yep. getting a national beat in a national paper. It's pretty cool to see that. But you know, we, we refused to believe the doomsday that was maybe coming. And we grinded really hard when we were at the Montana Cayman. And, and it's probably the, the most proud of any news organization I ever worked at, besides the thing that we're doing right now together. Yep. And well, we were just student journalists, but we were going toe-to-toe with the Missoulian, and we were going toe-to-toe with the paper statewide. That was back when the Cayman was a daily, at least on the weekdays. So we were breaking scoops, and we were doing the whole thing. And so many of my friends that were journalism school kids at the University of Montana have gone into other paths. And, and if you get a, a great degree with the prestige that comes with a journalism degree from the University of Montana, you can pivot. You're, you're, set, up, you're set up well in your life because those professors are ruthless. They are hard, hard, hard. <laughs> right. You, I mean... Carol Van Valkenburg's red pen. That was the thing I was the most scared of in my life because you get your paper back and it is covered yeah. in red marker. But all that said, all five of those guys I just named that we were on the Montana Cayman staff together 2007, 2008, and then uh, Tyson was a couple years younger, so he went on and continued to do it. But Tyson covers the Ducks for the Athletic. The Lorem covers the Los Angeles Lakers for the Athletic. Roman Stubbs is at the Washington Post. And lowly old Coulter Nuwana is sitting here at ESPN Radio at the press box. But either way, I am proud of every single one of those guys for continuing to hone their craft. And Tyson Alger is probably most remembered around Missoula for something kind of unfortunate. He was the student journalist that was covering Bobby Houck at the Cayman that got in the big spat with Bobby Houck that caused the national controversy. And Tyson is a, is a great journalist besides that. And I, it's, it's evidenced by the fact that he covers one of the premier programs in college football at the, the most up-and-coming outlet in the country right now. So uh, Tyson, I know, is a proud University of Montana alum, a, a guy that loves Missoula, loves Montana, and loves the craft of journalism. So I'm very proud of him for continuing to do what he's done. Well, here you go, Tyson Alger, uh, the subject of our ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls. Hello, welcome into the ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula, coming to you September 10th. Less than a week away from Montana's game at the University of Oregon. This is a game that everybody around Missoula has heard a ton about here on Tutel Nuanas because we've been giving away a pair of tickets every week for nine weeks straight leading up to this thing. Presented by Woodmer Brothers Brewing, so we really appreciate them for being a part of this promotion. This week's ESPN Roundtable featuring Tyson Alger, a University of Montana alum who also is the beat writer for The Athletic covering the Oregon Ducks. Tyson, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Colter. Long time. Long time. I know. I've known Tyson forever. We worked at the Montana Cayman together. Crazy to think that was 10-plus years ago, but uh, Tyson was a, a grade younger than me, uh, but he did a great job covering the University of Montana, actually covered Bobby Houck's last two years at the Cayman, uh, and then full circle coming around, uh, moving to Portland, working at the Oregonian, and now working at the Athletics. So tell us just a little bit about your path. When did you first start working at the Oregonians, and how many years have you been covering the Ducks now? Yeah, so this is this is my sixth full season covering the Ducks. I uh, I kind of took a bit of a scenic route to get here after uh, after graduating uh, uh, from Montana in 2011. Uh, my my first job out of school was I was the sports editor of uh, the Garden Island newspaper in uh, Kauai, Hawaii, which was uh, uh, a, 
bit of a departure from uh, uh, Missoula and Alaska where I grew up. But sounds uh, awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, it turns out the thing though is twenty-one-year-old uh, um, uh, journalists don't make a whole lot of money. Right. Uh, gr- granted, I'm finding out like thirty-year-old journalists don't make a ton of money. But, um, and Hawaii's kind of expensive. But fortunately, uh, while I was in college, I had interned at the Oregonian. And uh, uh, after about a year in Hawaii, I got a call about an opportunity up in Portland and uh, moved moved back, back to the States and uh, did uh, about two years of covering high schools before finally uh, uh, talk about great timing. My I got promoted to the Duxby right in uh, 2014, right during uh, Marcus Mariota's Heisman year and uh, uh, national title game appearance. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite the ride, but now I've really kind of settled in here um, over the last six years, and I've been with the uh, Athletic for about the last 14 months or so, so I'm really enjoying it. Got to be one of the only guys to live in both Alaska and Hawaii before the age of 30, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I like those states that aren't really on the map, you know, the, kind of the fringe states, so... No one can ever. I, I, no one can ever get mad at you then for not coming to visit because it's ten, fifteen, twenty hours away, no matter what, right? Here's the yeah, here's exactly. the ignorance of people. I have a friend who thought, and she was a collegiate student adult, that Alaska and Hawaii were near each other because every <laughs> map she's ever seen, they're right there together in the bottom left corner of the thing. Uh, that, that's that's one of that's definitely one of the things Alaskans take pride in is our expert math knowledge. Um, you know, we're we're not good at a lot of things, but we we, we definitely know where we are on the globe. So yeah. we, we got we got that going for us, <laughs> no doubt. Well, tell us a little bit about the athletic because I think people that know know, and the athletic has made such a big imprint on the media industry, sports media specifically. And I think it's great because it's very similar to what we do at Skyline Sports with a subscription model. And I think it, it definitely feeds the needs of the voracious fan, the, the people that want you know the in-depth coverage on a daily basis uh, just right at their fingertips. But what's the opportunity been like for you, and what have you thought of the transition so far, and what do you just think of the overall vision of the athletic in general? Yeah, you know, you kind of touched on it there a little bit with, uh, you know, with us being a subscription model, our number one priority is, is making sure that, you know, our readers, our fans are getting stuff that's that's worth reading and worth their subscription dollars. So, um, you know, after spending um, six, seven, eight years in the newspaper industry and kind of experiencing where, um, unfortunately, that model has gone in certain places where it's become, you know, a little bit more click-based heavy and, and kind of very hard to read some websites with all the ads that pop up. Um, the athletics whole, whole model is they, they went across the country and hired up a bunch of sports writers and told them to go write the best things they possibly can and, and take as much time they want doing it. So um, after kind of doing the, the day, daily grind at the Oregonian of, uh, you know, having to write 20 some stories a week or so, you know, I'm writing maybe like four or five now, but each one of those are ones that I'm actually able to invest time into and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think the readers have enjoyed it so far, just because it's it's a little bit more uh, uh, nuanced and less uh, less kind of uh, uh, I guess headline grabby. But uh, yeah, I've I've certainly enjoyed it. And and the nice thing about it too is if, if you subscribe, um, you get everything. And, and right now we have we have beat writers covering I think about thirty major college football programs. We have every professional sport covered um it's 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 a really cool opportunity in a time where a lot of other um newsrooms are unfortunately shrinking we've just been expanding rapidly so it's been fun to be a part of you know tyson it's interesting because you know going to the athletic 
even six years ago was very different from what it is today. And I mean, the growth that that you've experienced and that the, that that website slash company has experienced has been uh, tremendous. But when you first arrived there. It must have been a little bit of a risk, right, where you're sitting there going, okay, all of a sudden, you know, the traditional sort of newspaper beat writing is obviously shifting, but is this the place that I want to land? There's plenty of places to go, but none of them necessarily, you know, firmly footed or having, you know, a full niche necessarily. What what kind of led to your decision that, yeah, this is the place that I want to go to, and I believe that they are headed in the right direction in a very, very fluid sort of media s- scene that we have right now? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, there was definitely a little bit of a risk in, involved in that, because, you know, you're talking about a company that's still in its kind of infant stages of, of being what it is versus, you know, when I was at the Oregonian, the Oregonian had been around there for, you know, 100 plus years. Um, but there was also risk in staying kind of in the news industry. Unfortunately, because of the, the kind of the time we live in during the six years I was at the Oregonian, I experienced probably six or seven rounds of layoffs. You know, the, the staff of 200 or so writers that I came in with is, is a small fraction of that now. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, all of us in this industry can appreciate the fact there's not really great job stability anywhere. So, um, you know, going to the athletic, a company that's, rapidly expanding right now and putting money in the product i mean it's it was a risk because it was new but you know even over the last year since i've joined we've probably added another hundred or so riders and we just expanded into europe and uh yeah it was just really kind of that opportunity to be a part of something that was growing and that would just kind of like give us the freedom to do what we wanted which has been kind of all i've ever wanted (laughs) tyson alger university of montana alum Oregon Ducks beat writer for The Athletic joining us on this week's ESPN Roundtable. Let's talk some football. You mentioned your first year on the Oregon beat, a tremendous year. Marcus Mariota winning the 2014 Heisman. Oregon riding high at that moment. And since then, it's been a little bit of a tumultuous time in Eugene. I know that uh, Mark Helfrich uh, hit, hit kind of a, a peak and then basically was forced out. And then Willie Taggart there for a blink of an eye, less than a year, and now Mario Cristobal takes over as the head coach. He's into his second year. So, what's it been like just watching sort of the roller coaster that's been the Oregon program? And what do you think of the fit uh, uh, of Cristobal as the head coach? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you know if if you're covering a team, you either want one of two things: you either want the team to be really good, which they were during my first year, and, and you know, granted, even in 2015, I thought if Vernon Adams would have broke his finger in that first game against Eastern Washington, I think the Ducks probably would have returned to the playoff that year. So those two years, they were really good. And then the contrast is if they're not going to be really good, you kind of want it to be really bad because then there's a lot of storylines. The the most boring season is, is six and six. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that Helfrich 2016 year where they went four and eight, um, I thought that was kind of a quick trigger to pull uh, after for a guy that had just led your team to a national uh, title appearance two years prior, but you know it was just one of those things where once the ball got moving downhill, it was moving quickly, and they were doing bad on the recruiting trail. Um, so then they took a chance by bringing in Willie Taggart, and then he left them uh, about four days before the bowl game at the end of his first season. So then they brought in Cristobal, and uh, they and he's an interesting fit here because he, he's completely different than the like the prototypical Oregon that I think a lot of people associate Oregon as of being kind of like that stylish, flashy, quick, all those sorts of things. Um, Chris Ball was an offensive lineman uh, at Miami. He won a national championship there. Oregon hired him from Alabama where he was the team's offensive line coach, and he's really kind of tried to turn Oregon into a 
northwest version of an SEC team, really kind of focusing in on the trenches and, and building up an offensive line, which the Ducks have probably one of the best ones in the country right now, and, and really kind of beefing up that defensive line too. So this is a this is a kind of a, a gritty, grounded out, uh, physical type of football team that I think a lot of people maybe don't think Oregon has uh, from their memories earlier in this decade or so. Coulter, you and I have built our lives on communication. And one thing that people may not realize is Blackfoot. That is their bread and butter. And right now, they are spending a ton of time and money creating an incredible network of fiber optic cables across the state of Montana, a state that, thank you very much, could use some innovation and advancement in that way, right? You probably already know Blackfoot, a local partner for internet voice and professional services that fuel growing businesses like yours. Right now, Blackfoot is extending its fiber optic cable networks in Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and around the region. Yeah, like hundreds of miles of fiber optic cable. It's a stunning amount that they're putting in right now. Check out goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link if you're on Podbean or just copy the URL into your browser. Go see what they're up to. I think you'll be impressed when you find out all the things that Blackfoot does. Particularly in Bozeman. Bozeman, as you know, is booming right now. And Blackfoot, they got you all taken care of. How does fiber optics benefit your business? We're not quite sure, but Blackfoot sure does. Give them a call, 866-541-5000, or find them online at goblackfoot.com. Yeah, well, that and that is interesting, too, because even, I mean, Chip Kelly, really, right, the one who put put Oregon on the the modern map and, you know, when it, that, that combined with, you know, they're the first team to have all these jerseys and do all that, and there was the flash of the Oregon Ducks going back, but that has always been associated basically with speed. I mean, in a word with speed, both in terms of the number of plays that you're trying to run and in terms of, you know, the skill athletes and that. Crystal Ball seems like he has instilled an edge, and Bobby Houck, the Montana head coach, talked this week pretty pretty straightforwardly about how great they are up front, especially on the offensive line. So when you look at a Montana team coming in th- this week, look, I mean, I'm just not sitting here wanting a prediction or something like that, but what is what do people not appreciate about what a top-level national FBS offensive line is and can be compared to, you know, a very good but nonetheless – 60 you know 63 scholarship fcs team it it's just amazing not only the the size but athleticism that a lot of these guys have like if you take like uh, uh oregon's left tackle penny sewell for example uh he was the first uh last year he won the starting job out of camp and he was the first oregon player to start at left tackle as a true freshman uh since like 1999 and I thought he was the best. I thought before he got hurt midway through the year last year, he was the best offensive lineman on the team, and that includes two guys who were in uh, Shane Lemieux and Calvin Throckmorton, who are preseason All Americans this year. It's just they they have that depth, and these these guys are insanely strong, but they can just they can move as well, and they don't just block in that first level. They get up, and man, against Nevada and and even Auburn, Sewell was just knocking knocking around linebackers left and right too. So that they're they're aggressive, and they can come in look at Oregon's uh, first group, which includes four starters, or all all five members of Oregon's offensive line were starters last year. And then if you look at their, their two deep, you know, they have like two or three guys who are 350 to 360 pounds that can move. They can just keep coming at you and coming at you, and they can just really bully um, a, a lesser quality or just a, 
a team with less depth off the ball. And, you know, that's something that I kind of expect Oregon to assert themselves with this week is, um, you know, the one thing that hasn't really clicked a hundred percent yet has just been a consistent ground game. Uh, they, they did rush for like 220 yards last week against Nevada, but, but 70 of those came on, uh, um, a Darian Felix scamper in, in the final final minute. So I, I kind of look to them to really go behind that offensive line and kind of bully up a, a team that you know. No disrespect to Montana, I, I love the Grizz went there, but uh, it's just it's just a different different uh, quality of depth that uh, between a top level FBS and a FCS opponent a team. It's so interesting just looking at just the starts and the prestige and all the accolades. Like you mentioned, Pinelli Pinea Suo. You know, he's a he was a true freshman last year, but maybe their best offensive lineman. But then they have three different other guys that have thirty eight plus career starts. I think they have two guys that are working on forty plus start streaks in a row. And then the guy that maybe is a little bit forgotten, Dallas Warmack, he's a transfer from Alabama who started all thirteen games last fall. So they're definitely stacked on the offensive line. And uh, I mean, Bobby Houck talked about it extensively in his press conference on Monday. Said that uh, this is the best Oregon offensive line he's ever seen. Uh, he said that he read a stat that this is the most experienced offensive line in college football in the last 15 years. I don't know if that's a, a completely accurate stat, but it sounds like with that many consecutive starts, it's the case. Um, I want to ask you this, though, Tyson. You mentioned they haven't really got the consistent run game going quite yet. Is that just a product of having uh, a future NFL draft pick like Justin Herbert at quarterback? Uh, not necessarily. Um, you know, the, the, even, even though they do have Herbert at quarterback who, you know, depending on – uh, who you read is it could be anywhere from a first round pick to a the number one pick. Um, th- this is still a team that kind of really wants to make it make its bacon on, on the ground, and uh, you know it's uh, the first first game of the season was tough against Stanford because you know Oregon does have that offensive line. I'm sorry, not Stanford, Auburn. Um, Oregon does have that offensive line, but Auburn's front seven has three first round picks on it, uh, so that was a, a pretty tough game there. Um, and you know they. Oregon had such a good running game for such a long time. I believe they led the Pac the Pac twelve for like twelve straight years in in rushing yards. Um, and the two guys they have right now in CJ and CJ Verdell and Travis Dye, both sophomores, they're both good running backs. They they combined for like seventeen hundred yards last year, but they're not. They're just not quite that dominant level of Oregon running back that that you used to see, like a little Michael James or Kenyon Barner or Royce Freeman, those types. So. Um, I think they're still kind of feeling out a little bit of, uh, of just where, what they're going to get out of those two guys behind this line this year. And um, I mean, it's I, I I sometimes wish they would open it up a little bit more with Herbert, just because of his experience. I mean, he's a he's been starting for three plus years now, uh, and he has all that talent. But this is a team that is down three of his top four wide receivers right now. So teams have been really able to key in on the run. That's what Auburn was doing against the Ducks. They were dropping a safety down in the box and really just kind of stacking it. And, uh, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what those guys can do this week against Montana. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And, you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. 
Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. This is the ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers. Open 7 a.m. to midnight, one of your go-to spots. If you're looking to watch this Grizz game at Oregon or any other game, Paradise Falls has got you covered. We'll be right back after this with Tyson Alger from The Athletic. Welcome back to the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. We're joined by University of Montana alum Tyson Alger, who covers the Oregon Ducks for The Athletic leading up to this Montana at Oregon matchup. And we talked a lot about uh, just the specifics of Oregon's offense, from the offensive line to the running backs to Justin Herbert, the uh, potential All-American quarterback, future NFL draft pick. But I want to ask you just about just the general culture of the program. Mario Cristobal, you mentioned him. He's a guy that won two national championships as a player at Miami as an offensive lineman, one of the most revered offensive line coaches in the country, coached at Miami, coached at Alabama, coached at Oregon on the offensive line before taking over uh, as the head coach there a couple years back when Willie Taggart bolted for Florida State. But Cristobal, everything I've ever heard from him and everything I've ever watched of him seems like a really intense, tough-minded guy. What sort of differences do you notice? Because when you went from Chip Kelly to Mark Helfrich, that's a, a pretty seamless transition. Those guys have similar, at least schematic styles. What's different about Cristobal, both schematically and just in, in culture, Tyson? Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of night and day difference. You know, Helfrich and and Kelly were both kind of more of the cerebral type. The uh, um, you know more more often than not, they were the smartest guys in the room, and you know they probably thought that too. <laughs> Cristobal is is much more of a, a physical, in your face, um, kind of old school type of football. Um, he, he has a lot of confidence and bravado, and, and I say that in the sense of he's, he's never disrespectful to his opponents, but they just they just kind of exude a, a high level, or they they expect a high level of play from their team, and uh, uh, it really kind of reflects on the field. You know, as you mentioned, you know he's an offensive line guy. He's, it's, that's still his baby, even though he's not directly in charge of the line now. But but this is a team that they want to play physical. Uh, they want to still be able to have. You know, it's 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 still Oregon, so there's still some of that flash. They still have the uniforms, and they still want they they know that this fan base wants to have some fast skilled players out, um, you know, out wide and stuff. But but this is a team that's really slowed down its pace. They they want to they want to be able to contend with and be able to uh, you know out physical most of the teams here in the Pac-12. I, I, it's a lot closer to like the, the way Stanford plays now, or what Stanford played earlier in this decade than than what Oregon definitely was. Um, but uh, you know that the one thing that we haven't quite seen yet, though, is kind of like the true, um, I guess, like the true vision of this offense under Cristobal. Just because last year their number one tight end, uh, Cam McCormick, he played I think two quarters all season. He's by far their best run blocker, and they would really be like they would like to run both him and the senior tight end uh, Jacob Breland. They'd, they'd like to kind of use them as you know two tight end sets in just about every formation. But they've just had a lot of health problems with those two. So. Um, you know, this, this is still a program that's still, I wouldn't say they're searching for their identity. I just don't think they've completely, uh, completely realized it quite yet, which is, is might be kind of daunting when you consider that they are uh, playing at a pretty high level of football right now. Tyson, what's Mario Cristobal like? Like just in terms of his, <laughs> his just 
sort of presence and your interactions and time that you spent with him? He, he's very intense. You know, he's, I think he gets, uh, he, he, he complains about having to sleep. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> Uh, say no more. That's everything that we ever needed to know about the man right there. This is so funny because we were driving in the car yesterday, and when, when Mario Cristobal was the head coach at Florida International, Tim Cramsey was the offensive coordinator the last two years there. Then he landed at Montana State, and I got to know Cramsey pretty well. And Cramsey would always talk about how Cristobal would stay up for two three days at a time he said he he would be up for 72 hours sometimes and he was would never want to sleep <laughs> yeah the, the thing is too is it's it's like that in the off season as well because you know for um you know we're, we're talking about a lot of, of what we see on the field this year but this this staff is really um uh, really turned this program around on the recruiting trail you know i think uh crystal ball was named one of the i think he was recruiter of the year at alabama and that's kind of really what he's that was at least 50% of his resume coming into this uh, Oregon job is just, just how good he's been on the recruiting front. And so those guys are, you know, in season, in season, out of season, they're, they're working the phones, they're, they're working their, their, their maps and all that all the time. And it, it, it's, it's pretty insane the work ethic that these guys have. And, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're compensated well for that, but I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been at the Oregon facility when he hasn't been there. It's just all day, every day. That's 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 what they kind of eat, sleep, and drink. And you know, that's that's no different than you know those guys at Montana. It's just it's just at a um, under probably a, lar- a little bit of a larger microscope here with some of the national media and such. Tyson, let's let's go to the uh, a player on the team or two here and just highlight for us for you a couple of guys who who you really like whether it's because they have great personal stories or just great fun to be around or even from a football standpoint but who's a who's a guy or two that you you know when you go into the facility that you're like hey man I can't wait to talk to this kid oh man that's that's a really good one well actually one of them is a guy who's not going to play in this game and and that's kind of a break Montana catches but uh, Micah Pittman was this four-star freshman out of uh, Calabasas High School uh, he's, he's the son of Michael Pittman Sr. who was uh, most notable for having just those massive guns on his arms <laughs> while playing, running, running back at uh, Tampa Bay and uh, he, he, he was a kid that Oregon thought was going to be play a major role for them this year because you know the one one big problem the Ducks had last year is they led the nation with 52 drop passes and uh you know herbert still put up pretty good stats last year but they could have been monstrous if had you know guys actually held on to the football um so he's he's this Pittman kid's been awesome to talk to because he's obviously he's mature in the game of football because of his family and his brother is uh you know a preseason pac-12 selection at, at uh, usc but he's just he, he's just an electric player and, and fun to talk to. And unfortunately, uh, Montana fans, oh, maybe fortunately, Montana fans won't be able to see him play in this game. But uh, on the defense, on the defensive end of the football, uh, nose tackle Jordan Scott. He's I forget how tall he is, but when he came into camp as a freshman, he's a junior now. I think he was like 380 pounds, and he's not like six foot five or anything he's probably like six foot six foot one i mean this guy was just a freaking tank um and what, what's been impressive to see with him over the years is he's always kind of had that athleticism you know Oregon probably wouldn't have recruited this kid if he couldn't move but like um just the way he moves and, and carries himself on the field while shedding uh, you know a little bit of weight i think he's probably at like 340 now or so maybe 330 uh, but just, but just a fun kid to talk to. I like that's what, that's one of the things that I like about covering this Oregon team is their kind of recruiting reach is, is so widespread that 
you know, Jordan Scott here is from Florida. They have a lot of kids from California. They're, they're really kind of hitting the kind of the South SEC footprint a lot more. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to think if there's any Montana kids on this roster. I don't think there is, which is, which is unfortunate. I think, yeah, I think the last Montana kid on the Oregon roster was Cody Carringer from Butte maybe half a dozen years ago. Uh, but there, there's been a couple, but uh, definitely I don't think there is any this year, like you said, because they have such a national recruiting. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana, through Bozeman and around Gallatin County. More than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below, goblackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. I want to ask you about the Troy Dye kid. He's the inside linebacker at Oregon. And he's, I mean, looking at his numbers, they're ridiculous. He's already got... 325-plus tackles. I think he entered his senior year 120, 121 tackles away from becoming the all-time leader in Oregon history. Uh, six foot four, 227 pounds, looks like a great athlete. What, what's the scout on this guy? I'm actually glad you brought him up because I had a complete brain fart. Troy Dye is my favorite player to talk to on this defense. <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, and, and it's been funny watching his evolution because when he came in as a freshman and he started right away at inside linebacker as a freshman, and that was a part of that. 2016 Oregon defense that was one of the worst in program history um and he's he's just gotten better and better and better each year and uh th- this year he, he's been kind of shot out of a cannon I, I'm not quite sure how he projects at the NFL level because he's kind of a tweener size wise between kind of a, a, a linebacker and, and maybe a, a thicker secondary type of player but uh at the college level he's just dominant he, he flies to the football and um he has a lot of fun on the sidelines too I'm, I'm sure our if you guys saw any pictures or video from this last game, in, in between the third and fourth quarter, uh, the Austin Stadium, they play a uh, shout from, uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a brain fart on the movie. Animal uh, from House. Animal Ho- from Animal House. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, the Ducks were up by like 60 points at this time and dies sitting in the, essentially on the 25-yard line, dancing in front of the whole stadium and just getting the place jacked. And so... Um, he's kind of on his, uh, uh, his his don't give a whatever tour right now here as a <laughs> here as a senior, and uh, he, he he's he's having a lot of fun, and and he's he's definitely the most uh, probably the mo- one of the most experienced and just uh, decorated players in the Pac-12 right now. With you know, I think he's on pace right now to break Oregon's all-time single or all-time career uh, tackles tackles mark. I think he needed to have like. One and ten coming into the year, and I mean after after two games, he's well on that pace. So uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely a guy to contend with. Tyson Alger, Oregon Ducks beat writer for the Athletic and a University of Montana alum, joining us on this week's ESPN Roundtable. Tyson, you covered the Grizz during a time when the Grizz were uh, at an all time high, and then a little bit w- where the the sort of the downfall began. But you know uh, the heights that the Montana program reached 
a two-part question. First of all, what do people out in Eugene think of this matchup with you know the number fifteen team in the FBS playing against a you know a nothing? Shirt, a they shirt. think nothing of this matchup <laughs> in Eugene Coulter. <laughs> what do people think of the, of this matchup, and what do you think of just um, sort of the the rise and fall, and then now potential resurrection with Bobby Houck back in the fold at your alma mater? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with that second one because I actually see. I see a lot of parallels between kind of the Montana and Oregon programs. You know, mm-hmm. these were both these were both teams that were the class of their conference for you know nearly a decade or so, um, and and had a lot of success and kind of expected success, and that carried over not only from inside the program but to the fan base. And then it was just kind of taken away really quickly. And and it's been and um, you know I, I think Oregon has been fortunate enough that the this rebuild quote unquote has happened a little bit sooner than at Montana, but Oregon also has Phil Knight as a booster. So that helps a little bit. Um, as, as for like the, the opinion of Montana from the folks here in Eugene, I, I think there's a lot of respect for, for the Grizz. You know, I, over, over the years when FCS opponents have come in, you know, you do hear a lot of times that like, Oh, you know, these teams haven't played in a stadium like this other than possibly Washington Grizzly stadium, which um, you know, I've been to uh, a fair amount of uh, FBS stadiums right now, and I, I would take Washington Grizzly Stadium up there with just about any one of them in terms of what the fans can do and the impact they can have on that game. You know, even talking with like Vernon Adams, he was like, "Man, that stadium was crazy." Um, so I, I, I think Montana's reputation does kind of carry a little bit out here. I mean, obviously, I don't think Oregon thinks that Montana's going to be able to even, you know, carry their water in this game, nor really. Do I? But it's it's there's a lot of respect for a program that has been, you know, had that much success at the FCS level, and and uh, you know it's it's um, you know I I'm not able to follow as closely as I did obviously when I covered the team, but it, it certainly seems like the Grizz have the pieces this year to to kind of start moving back up uh, the ladder. Tyson Alger, the athletic beat writer for the University of Oregon and a University of Montana alum on this week's ESPN Roundtable. Tyson, this was great. Thanks so much for being with us, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I, uh, I, I, man, I've been, I've been wishing to get, get out to Missoula here for one of these games, and unfortunately the, uh, the paychecks for the Ducks to go out there is probably a little less than uh, when, when Montana comes out this way. But, <laughs> it's but, a one-way street, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but, man, I, 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 will t- I will tell you guys what, though. Like, that, that last point I hit on, um, there, Montana has something special in, in the level of play it has, and and that that stadium and environment kind of pride in the program. That's 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 as rivaled as any other that I've seen at, at this level. It's just you know on a little bit of a smaller scale, but it's certainly something to be proud of. No doubt. Thanks so much for being with us, buddy. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, guys. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game. The Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 